Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Let's get back to Inside the Clubhouse, now celebrating 10 years on the score. And that we are, and we're happy to, that you are joining us here as we broadcast live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers, alongside Bruce Levine. I'm Mike Esposito, in for David Haw today. Glad to be alongside with you. Plenty of Chicago baseball news to talk about. Uh, we've been Cubs heavy, talking about their hiring of Craig Council in the first hour. And Bruce, we definitely want to get to the south side and what Chris Getz had to say at the GM meetings. Yeah, it's been a whirlwind uh, on the south side, you know, ever since the uh, uh, firing of uh, Kenny Williams and uh, Rick Hahn, the hiring of Chris Getz, a new hiring of an entire front office, new coaching staff, Pedro Grafal will start his second year with the team, and now the Jason Benetti situation. So with that in mind, uh, myself and uh, three other Chicago reporters uh, in, in Arizona, with at the general manager meetings, uh, we were talking to Chris Getz, and uh, you know, uh, we asked him, uh, you know, how indeed he felt about his team moving forward in 2024. Well, you know, it's it's piece by piece, it really is, um, and you know, I'm set to I'm set out to to really improve our our defensive play. We'll allow our pitchers to attack the zone and be more efficient. Um, I do believe that we need to to become more athletic, um, you know, on, on just, for, you know, that speaks to the, the improved defense, we hope, um, and obviously running the bases and, and taking extra bases, those types of things. Um, you know, the style of play, uh, we, we're looking for players that understand what it takes to, 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 to be on a winning ball club. And that comes to, that, that, that starts with their approach to the day-to-day basis, um, being in the right place at the right time, um, you know, on the field, and you know, more or less, being some baseball players that are going out there working together and competing, um, we've got a talented group. There's no question. I don't like our team, um, and we've got to make some adjustments so we improve for 2024. Chris Gatz, right there, and uh, you don't often hear the team's general manager say that he doesn't like his team, although. He didn't mean it in a literal sense. You heard him talk about what he was looking for going forward, Bruce, and you get the feeling that uh, style of play is going to be a, a big thing uh, along with different pieces there. No, I have to correct you, Mike. Uh, he, he did mean it in a literal sense, and uh, the follow-up bite to that was uh, him talking about the fact that um, they don't play the game that uh, the way it has to be played. They need to bring in players that do play the game that way. 
and there will be changes along the way. He did say they have talented players, uh, but they haven't been able to play a team game. And and that's something that's on him and uh, the manager. So uh, with all due respect, you know, moving forward, uh, this was a shocking statement at at the GM meetings uh, from him because of the fact that, you know, you usually hear a general manager speak, Mike. And general manager speak is usually, you know, uh, we have talented players. We're, we're going to get our manager and coaches to coach them up. We're going to be better. Uh, we heard the opposite from Chris Getz, that we have to make a lot of changes here. The players that are going to remain from the previous years, if they don't fit in, we're getting rid of those guys uh, if they can. And so I think if, if White Sox players were listening at all to what Chris Getz had to say, uh, he was pretty much saying that either shape up or we're going to ship you out. Now, in some cases, uh, you look at Mankata's contract and it's one year, $24 million, okay? So, so uh, the likelihood of him going somewhere else in a trade is minimal. Uh, yep. You look at uh, some of the other things like Luis Robert, one of the top five players in the game, it's unlikely that he's going somewhere else. You look at Dylan Cease. One of the top pitchers in the game coming off of a poor year still is thought of as somebody that can bring back two or three outstanding players with two years left on his contract. That's a different story. So these are the storylines we'll be watching with the Chicago White Sox moving forward uh, and how Chris Getz handles it. But he pulled no punches saying that uh, they have a lot of work to do and they're going to make trades, sign free agents where it makes sense. And uh, I, I applaud him for his honesty. Yeah, no, and, and what I meant, I guess, is that it wasn't that he disliked all of the players on the team. He just didn't like how the team was built and, and the way that some of them were playing. So uh, I'm curious to see it, Bruce, because I'm I'm willing to give Getz the benefit of the doubt. We talked about this uh, with Wayne uh, Randazzo in the earlier segment in terms of, um, you know, will Sox fans give him the benefit of the doubt because, you know, he comes from this front office. But you mentioned all the different changes that they have made uh, to the, the coaching staff and to also the front office in bringing in some outside voices that had not always been there before? Again, uh, it's easy for me as a reporter to tell White Sox fans to give the White Sox and Chris Getz an opportunity to show what they can do. The huge disappointment cannot be discounted over the last few years. It's only a few years ago I think in maybe 2020 that we heard from general manager Rick Hahn saying we deserve a seat at the table. In other words, the White Sox need to needed to be respected moving forward for the moves they made. And it looks certainly like that in the truncated season of 2020 and the 2021 when the White Sox won the division, their vision was pretty much on on key, uh, on point that they were going to continue to move forward in this window here for the next three years after that to be a uh, playoff team every year and a World Series challenger, at least in some of those. And none of that transpired, unfortunately. So trust in the ownership front office, everything else, is not there for White Sox fans, and understandably so. But the one thing you cannot do if you're a White Sox fan is become a Chicago Cub fan, become a Milwaukee Brewer fan. You are a Chicago White Sox fan 
through and through. And these are just hard times that hopefully will turn better for them over the next year or so. Sox fans, your thoughts at 312-644-6767. And, Bruce, we had a text uh, asking about Steve Stone's uh, – what, what's his plan in the broadcast booth? Stoney will be back. I did see that. But the Jason Benetti departure certainly another thing worth talking about as Jason uh, took a job uh, just a, a day or two ago with the Detroit Tigers. Look, uh, we heard a lot of nice things from Jason. And Jason is not is, – is not – just a good announcer. He may be at the top. He might be on the uh, current Mount Rushmore of great broadcasters out there. That's how great and versatile Jason Benetti is at his trade. And it is sad for a lot of people to see Jason go. But I will tell you the backstory of this is that it wasn't always peaches and cream with Jason Benetti and the White Sox. There were many times where uh, Jason had questioned the, his authority to broadcast the game he wanted to broadcast. There were other times where the White Sox asked to rein, hit, rein it in a little bit on certain parts of the broadcast. Uh, this was not a, a road to get here that didn't have its bumps in the road. And that's how you get to a situation where Jason Benetti is leaving for the Detroit Tigers. I, look, the Detroit Tigers are a wonderful historic franchise but let's let's look at the reality the reality is that jason benetti had his dream job and his career was going so well that he has this huge deal with fox he is so well thought of he is so versatile and good at what he does the white Sox let him do an awful lot of uh games nationally to enhance what he did that they gave him time to do uh professional things elsewhere they tried to work it out but in in the reality uh people were not happy he was not happy the white Sox were not happy he's now a detroit tiger broadcaster i love detroit but what is what does detroit have to do with jason benetti you know i i, I didn't get it i i understand that it's going to give him the flexibility to broadcast uh, elsewhere and do all the other great national things he does. But this wasn't uh, how either side had envisioned it when this started out about seven years, seven or eight years ago. No, and Jason had all, only nice things to say on his way out the door about the White Sox giving him that opportunity back in 2016. And uh, we'll be seeing him. We'll be seeing a lot of him with uh, the Detroit Tigers as he comes back through town. Uh, a few calls on the line, Bruce, as we go to Owen in Willowbrook talking White Sox and inside the clubhouse. Good morning, Owen. Hi, guys. Um, hey, it was refreshing to hear Get say that about the ball club. You know, I'm a lifelong White Sox fan up until about four or five years ago, and I just didn't think Han and, Han and Williams knew talent. So I'm hoping that he actually goes out and gets guys that are true baseball players that know how to play the game. And the other thing is I'm not fond of our manager, and um, – I think, obviously, the Sox aren't going to go out and get rid of Grafal because he was just brought in last year. But I, I would like to see them take a look at A.J. Pruszynski. I think A.J. Pruszynski would demand ballplayers to be accountable, and I think he'd demand ballplayers to play the game the right way. But um, I, I really like what Getz had to say. Thanks a lot for your call, Owen. Appreciate it. Uh, Mike, look. Uh, Grafal will get his opportunity with a new club 
I don't think he had much of an opportunity last year with that team that started 7-21. and 21. Sure, people can say, well, that's part of the manager's fault too, but uh, I think the, the deck was stacked against him with the group that he had. That, that's how it appeared to me all year. So I, I'm more than willing to give him an opportunity uh, moving forward to, to show what he can. And as far as Brzezinski or Ozzie Guillen, if I was managing a team, if I was general managing a team, Mike, uh, those would be two of my top picks, okay? I love the baseball acumen and the, the guts and the ability to communicate as well, send a tough tough message as Ozzie and Pruszynski. I assume Pruszynski could and as Ozzie did. So from that perspective, I, I get uh, what's going on. Agree with you on both points there, Bruce, and on Grafal. All I will say is that if, if the results are not there this season, then it's a, a very easy decision in my mind to make after next season. One more sock call before we get to our Jed Hoyer tape. Adam is in Frankfurt wanting to talk White Sox here on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Adam. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Very, very, uh, you know, it's a pleasure to talk to you both. So I appreciate it. I've been listening for a long time. So thank you. Um, hey, um, I did want to, so, um, you know, I grew up with Hawk, Hawk Harrelson and everyone, and, um, you know, it just, just really enjoyed those, those calls. It was sad to see him go. Um, but, you know, I have a seven and ten year old that have been only listening to Jason Benetti and Stone. Um, you know, and and when he was leaving, I told the kids, and they were shocked. They're like, "Why is he leaving? What's, you know?" And so it was hard to explain it to them. But my question is, do you think they will go like outside the White Sox organization to find his replacement? Is there someone that they're already looking at or kind of know that they can play in um, to be there? Like, is there any whispers yet of who may be taking that job if they've even thought of it at all. Well, you know, again, I, I believe that Mike Monaco, who uh, stood in for uh, Jason numerous times this last year and has been a broadcaster with the, with the Boston Red Sox uh, on a part-time basis for a number of years, is a prime candidate as our old friend Connor McKnight, who does the pre and post game on the radio and is sat in both on television and radio uh, going forward. I think those are two prime names you can look at. Monaco uh, got w- rave reviews. And, Mike, I don't know if you heard uh, Mike Monaco do games, but, but he is outstanding. Yep. He is really, really good at this. And he, uh, he fit right in. He did his homework. It sounded like he was a White Sox broadcaster every time he did a game because he seamlessly talked about the players uh, chatted up Steve Stone perfectly, set him up perfectly. I think he's a, he's a prime candidate to, to be that job. But Connor has come an awful long way from being a, uh, a reporter at the score all the way to being a talk show host here, moving on with his great career to being a pre- and post-game host as well as sitting in for radio and television. So I, I would say those are two top ten candidates. I wouldn't say they're the only ones, but I would say looking at – what Brooks Boyer is looking at for their next broadcaster. I think uh, both guys will be looked at and looked at intently. I think those two make uh, perfect sense for the job, Bruce, and I agree with you on both. And I have enjoyed both Monaco's work and Connor's work uh, as my old update studio cohort uh, here at the score, but uh, certainly doing a great job there on the White Sox broadcasts. We want to get to in this segment to Jed Hoyer, Now, I want you to set the table for this, Bruce, because here he is talking about Shohei Otani. He's a free agent this offseason, but this this sound goes back a few years, correct? 
Uh, no, this sound does not go back a few years. This is sound from uh, this week uh, at the GM meetings. And uh, he uh, talked, uh, he, he would not talk directly when asked about Shoei Otani and yep. the Cubs' interest, okay? But what we, uh, myself and the other reporters from Chicago who were there, uh, talked to him a little bit at length here about in 2017 when Otani was becoming a free agent. The Cubs were one of those teams in the running. Uh, I asked Hoyer to expound a little bit on what he knew and what his impression is of Shohei Atani from that time. You know, I mean, we had a great meeting. It was, uh, you know, it felt like we, we prepared a ton, a ton. Um, it was a really good dialogue, good conversation. Obviously, he was going to only choose one out of seven. But, um, you know, I think about the time, if I'm not mistaken, Taken. That was after 17. You know, we had just been in three NLCSs in a row, won a World Series. Um, you know, we had things rolling pretty well at that point. I mean, I think that um, it doesn't surprise me. He took a meeting with us, even though we were, I think, us in Texas were the only two teams that weren't on the West Coast, I think. So I think that was why we were outliers. But um, it does, no, it doesn't surprise me given when that happened. I mean, we were, you know, like I said, we, we had it rolling at that point, and I think he was intrigued. Did you, did you feel for pretty good about a chance at that time? Yeah, it was hard at the time because I um, thought we were at a pretty big disadvantage not having the DH at that point, you know. Um, it was pretty clear that he wanted to do both and DHing was the, the best option for that and we couldn't provide that and the Dodgers and Padres couldn't provide that. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was four AL teams and three NL teams and so... Um, if I'm not, I think that's right. I think it was Seattle, San Francisco, LA, LA, Texas, us, San Diego. I think that's right. So, yeah, there's four NL teams, three, uh, yeah, there was, no, was four, sorry, four NL teams, three AL teams. I thought we were at a big disadvantage because we couldn't offer them the ability to, to DH. So, um, that, as good as the meeting went, we knew that was always going to be an uphill climb. And at that time, I, I there was definitely a lot of questions about was he hurt or not, you know? I think that he had, I can't remember the details anymore of why or how, or how many innings he had missed at the end of the year or whatever, but there was definitely some questions about what, what, what he, was he hurt, would he need Tommy John? And so the ability to DH as opposed to play outfield was certainly something that was, uh, that was discussed at that time. So it doesn't surprise me in the end that he picked an AL team, but wish we could roll back the clock and take take, <laughs> take a shot at it again. You Whatever know? you projected about him when he came over, what has shocked you maybe the most? Um, I think going back to when he came over and when we met with him, there was zero questions about his ability on the mound, and that's all borne out. But um, I feel like the, 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 the bat questions, I mean, there's a lot of questions about, you know, how would things translate and, um, you know, would he be able to handle inside fastballs and stuff like that? And, you know, he proved he could do it, you know? <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, I mean, there's no question that the offensive part of his game was was underestimated. I think the pitching was probably viewed accurately. I think if you go back to that meeting, you know. Did you get any sense of, you know, the fun guy or a personality when you were able to talk to him? No, we had a great meeting, and that was a big part of our meeting was just, you know, realizing that if we had a bunch of people lecturing at him in a different language, that wasn't going to be ideal. And so, we, you know, we talked, kind of had him doing a bunch of different stuff, and 
he was really engaging and had fun with it. Jed, when you think about the success that you've had in bringing Masei how much does that inform just your understanding of, of Japanese players, the market overall, and, and maybe lead to some greater success down the line? I mean, I, I hope we learn a lot, you know, from, from having uh, say as a player. I mean, it's it's been um, it's in a great place right now, but the, the ride hasn't been perfectly smooth the whole time. And I think you learn a lot about the assimilation process during that. And so there's no doubt that, like, what we've learned, you know, with him and, and, and Japanese players in the past, uh, I think you only get better and better at you know, helping them assimilate or having, having structures in place that can allow that. That's Jed Hoyer at the GM meetings talking to you, Bruce, uh, and the other reporters there about Shohei Otani and his first stab at uh, free agency back when he was coming over from Japan. And uh, they touched on it right at the end there, and I wanted to ask you about this because I know you, Darvish, loved his time in Chicago, or uh, Seiya Suzuki currently here, and uh, you just heard Jed talk about that. But I wonder how much that, if at all, would inform uh, Otani's decision. At the very worst, at the very least, you know – he can talk to those guys about what Chicago and what the Cubs are like. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that uh, goes into it. But people would be naive to think that that was going to be a deciding factor as to where he ends up. Uh, Otani's going to end up where he wants to play. He's going to be doing, and this is important for people to understand. He's going to be doing as much interviewing of teams as teams will be doing of interviewing him. He, he's a known quantity at this uh, quality at this point. He is a guy that, first and foremost, is one of the most dominant hitters in Major League Baseball. He's going to be the MVP in the American League this year. Looking at that, he can be and was a dominant pitcher in baseball, will not be in 2024. The thoughts are after a second elbow surgery, he will be back in 2025. The the contract will be structured such uh, that... If and when he comes back as a pitcher, that that money will be put into the contract as well. Those incentives will be put into the contract as well. Still, you're looking at a four or five hundred million dollar player a year. It might go higher than that. It just depends on the imagination of the teams and what they are looking for when you get Otani. When you get Otani, Mike, you're, you're not only getting a home run hitter and a pitcher. You're getting a cult hero who will fill your ballpark just about every night if you're a resourceful team that can afford his contract. With that in mind, people will not shy away the five or six markets that can afford him to put him out there. There are other markets like a San Diego, maybe like a, um, a, a Florida team, like an Arizona that uh, wouldn't normally be able to afford this t- uh, player, but the revenues that he will bring in from both uh, TV, ticket sales, international marketing is going to be so enormous, and the attention that he will bring to your team is so enormous that that might just tra- transcend uh, small markets from from not from from uh, going their usual pattern and and going after this guy. He. he I wouldn't be surprised if it's upwards of 10 teams that make serious offers. Now, where he wants to go is another matter. We'll find that out relatively soon here. But again, uh, the Cubs' interest in Otani is real. Certainly, Jed Hoyer and the front office have not talked about it, will not talk about it. Doesn't serve their purpose to let people know what they're thinking. 
because they're in competition with these other clubs to try to get his services. Absolutely. We'll talk more Otani in our final segment. Coming up next, though, after this timeout, we will talk to Barry Meister. Barry is Craig Council's agent, and uh, he's had quite a busy week. We'll talk with him about it next. Barry Meister coming up on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Let's get back to Inside the Clubhouse. Now celebrating 10 years on the score. And we are back. Hour two rolls on. Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito in for David today. And we're talking baseball with you, the Chicago baseball fan. And the big news of the week, Bruce, the hiring of Craig Council. We will now be thrilled to get out to the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. We'll talk to his agent. One of the great agents and great people in the game of baseball, Barry Meister, nice enough to join us on Saturday, the 10th anniversary of Inside the Clubhouse today to talk a little bit about uh, the in-workings of the Craig Council signing and uh, Craig coming over to the Chicago Cubs as their new manager. Good morning, Barry. Mike and I appreciate your time today. How you doing? I'm good. Glad to do it. Yeah. So let's, let's do the backstory here. You're going through uh, handling... The, the the handling the situation for Craig Council as his agent. You're taking offers from numerous different teams. He has interviews, and then it leads up to November 1st. We know he met with the Cleveland Indians. We know he met with the New York Mets. Take it over from there, Barry, and give us some insight as to what transpired at the point. Well, after the 1st of November, his contract expired, so he became uh, able to talk to clubs that uh, were interested but uh, who didn't uh, reach out for permission. Uh, The Cubs reached out, and uh, Craig met with them, and I subsequently visited with Jed, and uh, Craig and Jed got to talk, uh, you know, had a lengthy meeting to talk about the pros and cons and that in some ways they're sign of kind of the same guys you know they love baseball they're good family people they both really want to win and uh they hit it off and subsequently jed and i put our heads together and when all was said and done uh, we found a meeting of the minds it was really Very- as simple as that Barry, when uh, when Craig, uh, when his contract expired, when it became apparent that he was going to be out on the market this year, 
he was widely thought of as the best guy out there. So, and Bruce and I discussed this earlier, it, it's a lot more than just a team picking a new manager because the manager, in this case, Craig Council, really had a choice to make too. I mean, he controlled this as much as the teams, would you say? Yeah, I would. You know, every free agent uh, discussion, whether it's a player or in this case a manager, is, you know, almost a journey of, you know, self-introspection. What do you want to do with the next phase of your life? Who are the people you want to work with? You know, where do you want to live? And that's true of players and that's true of Craig. And going through the process ultimately tells you, you know, what you want to do and where you want to do it. So it it is a process. And, uh, you know, after going through it, you know, this felt like the right fit. Barry, give us a little thumbnail sketch of how important it was for Craig to not only um, find the, the next place for him, and I know he had a struggle, and we'll hear from him Monday at the press conference about leaving Milwaukee. I know that that could not have been easy for him and his family. But uh, just the idea of becoming uh, the highest paid manager in the history of the game. And uh, as Jed Hoyer said, it was about time that managers got paid a proper amount compared to the other sports. What, what's your perspective on that and, and Craig's perspective about his responsibility there? So, you know, I, that's interesting. So I, I don't think that's – I haven't had a client whose goal was to become the highest paid this or the highest paid that. You know, that's a byproduct of doing your job and doing it well. That's why Aaron Judge gets what he gets and – Choi Atani is going to get what he gets. It's really more about, again, the important factors of where you want to work and the work environment. You know, whether you're the best player in baseball or the best manager in baseball, you're going to perform at a at a high level. So it's really, you know, whenever an agent says it's not about the money, it's always about the money. Hmm. But it, it's not. It's not about the money. It's about you know these highly paid managers or coaches or players just really thinking about the best place for them to apply their trade because if you're the best at something the money always follows talking with barry meister from meister sports management he is craig council's agent glad to have him on with us here and inside the clubhouse on the score and barry uh you know we feel like we know craig council from you know his long playing career and now as manager with the brewers just personally, what, what, if any, insights, what kind of guy is Craig Council? What will Cubs fans get to know as as they do get to know him here in the coming years? Uh, personally, what, what kind of guy is he? Well, he's really smart and uh, really focused. He's one of those people who, instead of seeing from point A to point B and then seeing from point B to C and so on, He's pretty good at seeing from point A to point E and understanding all the steps right away. He's, uh, he's a really good family man. He's a good dad. He's the guy who walks his dog in your neighborhood. He's just a very relatable human being. I, I've known him for 30 years, and he's just, you know, in Chicago, he'll just be one of those guys you feel like you'd like to be friends with. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, Chicago will be proud to have. He's just a nice guy. Uh, and a really smart guy. Barry, uh, you know, there was a report out there that uh, he's already talked to David Ross. Don't know if that's true or not, but the, the reality of the situation is, is 
Craig Council seems to do the right things at the right times. If that indeed is the case, um, it just probably shows people uh, that he was not looking to take David Ross's job at any point. It was just something that was meant to be. So, uh, you know, I'm sure Craig will talk about it on Monday. I, I don't know the details. He and David really respect each other. I know they had a lengthy conversation. Um, again, I wasn't I wasn't privy to it. But, yeah, he 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 does try to do the right thing. Whenever you take a job, someone's been in that job beforehand. And, you know, w- when you're a player, when you're a coach, when you're a manager, you don't take somebody's job because ultimately the – the giving or you know of a, a job or taking of a job is uh, is management controlled. So, but I do know that you know Craig made every opportunity to do the right thing for you know he and his family, but also to do the right thing for anybody that was involved. Can you talk a little bit about his background? And we're, again, we're talking to Barry Meister, the agent for Craig Council, who will be named the Chicago Cub manager officially on Monday at a press conference that'll be carried on the Score Live from 10 until 2 p.m. with our uh, midday show. Barry, can you talk a little bit about his background? Because I was impressed 10, 11, 12 years ago when I'd see uh, Craig at games scouting. I'd see him at games with Doug Melvin and uh, with Gord Ash, uh, learning the trade, learning the inside um, his preparation once he got to be a manager seemed to be pretty complete. Well, first of all, you mentioned two people that are lifetime baseball people and who you you know who who you can't help but learn from just being near him. That and that's Gordash and Doug Melvin. Craig's just a very prepared guy. He played in college. He played a you know a number of years. He was the National League you know uh, League Championship Series MVP when the Diamondbacks won it all. He uh, has worked in uh, baseball operations, and uh, he's just a very prepared guy. Uh, like I said, he's he's smart, and you know, these, this day in baseball, you're chasing wins, and so being prep, being prepared, uh, you know, being able to understand analytical information, but also use your instincts as a as a baseball man are the the two things that you need, and he's. He's pretty well equipped to uh, to understand the game and understand people. Barry, we appreciate uh, your time and uh, your energy. Look forward to seeing you at the press conference at 10 a.m. on Monday morning. Uh, congratulations to you and uh, your sons and uh, Meister uh, Sports Management for Thanks. this uh, great job that you did for Craig. Mm-hmm. And I know I talked to a lot of other managers and coaches they applaud uh, Craig and you as well for hopefully getting uh, the money up in a sport that has lagged behind for head coaches, managers, and coaches uh, from the other sports. So congrats on that, and we'll look forward to seeing you on Monday. I really appreciate it. It's really good to talk to you two guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Barry. That's Barry Meister, the agent for Craig Council, Meister Sports Management. And uh, we will hear from the new skipper of the Cubs, Bruce, as you mentioned Monday, uh, 10 a.m. to 2, uh, the Craig Council Press Conference live at Wrigley Field will be the Bernstein and Holmes show. We will hear it all uh, right here on 670 The Score. And, coming and back. Mike, yeah, yes. coming back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the situation uh, with um, 
the other free agents out there, including with the Chicago Cubs and uh, Cody Bellinger, his uh, agent, a guy by the name of Boros, had some things to say about him that we'll hear from coming back as well. Talk about the White Sox, what their first player move might be all about here in the score. He's Mike. I'm Bruce. It's inside the clubhouse on 670thescore.com. Let's get back to Inside the Clubhouse, now celebrating 10 years on the score. Well, certainly, you know, Cody's a free agent. So you've got a a uh, five-tool player. Um, you know, obviously, in the years prior to coming to the Cubs, he had, you know, had a partial performance due to the just lack of strength you know he had surgery broken leg all those things but I think it's pretty evident that when you have youth and you're 28 you're a rare free agent you have a lot of options but when he came to Chicago he just feasted on major league pitching and um, really uh, you know I think Chicago got the comforts of a full belly so they're going to have to loosen their belts to keep Bellinger. Oh, the Scott Boris press conference at the GM meetings. Uh, always enjoy them. Welcome back into Inside the Clubhouse, brought to you by Aloha Restoration. Call Aloha for your water, fire, mold, and remodeling needs. And Bruce, you could always count on uh, Scott Boris to uh, throw in the nice jokes like that into his player press conferences while you promoting their jokes. value. You call oh, yeah, those jokes. Pro- Okay. Uh, it's, it's one of those audiences that I've been a part of for 35 years. Okay. Every GM and, uh, owners and, uh, and winter meetings for the past 35 years when Scott has had big time free agents was, which is just about every year. Uh, he writes out his one liners, uh, and studies them before he shows up. He, he literally stands on a, uh, a soapbox and talks, above us down below uh like he is uh in charge i he did make a president trump uh he alluded to president trump in one of his comments as well but nonetheless uh one one of the the great agents in baseball history he has the top players has bellinger this time around and he was not showing his hand at all as to where bellinger is going mike the teams the both los angeles teams the New York Yankees, the Chicago Cubs, I would not be surprised, the St. Louis Cardinals, all those teams are going to be with, within uh, the wheelhouse of uh, Boros trying to get a contract for Bollinger. And the, the smart money is on the fact that he will wait until Otani signs a contract. And although both players are very different, Otani being a DH, a pitcher, and a DH, Bellinger being a center fielder, a first baseman. They have one very important tool in common, and that is they are significant power slug left-handed hitters. Those are rare in the marketplace. So it is my assumption after looking at Scott and how he does business over these years, he will wait for Otani, and then he will have the number one left-handed hitter on the marketplace that has slug to be able to uh, bandy about as a free agent. Will the Cubs wait to bring Bellinger back while they're bidding uh, for and waiting for Otani? It's unclear at this time, but I, I do know the Cubs certainly have interest in bringing Bellinger back. It's probably a more realistic sign 
than thinking that Otani is going to come to the Cubs. Yeah, and Bruce, the other X factor there, and we talked about him on the show last week, is Juan Soto and the Padres uh, possibly looking to move on via trade with Soto uh, being a, a huge target and all of those same teams would be involved. So, I mean, any any could be the, the first domino to fall in this uh, for, for the Bellinger situation that you're talking about. So I talked to A.J. Preller, the Padres uh, president of baseball operations at the GM meetings. He told me, he has had no discussions with the Chicago Cubs on Juan Soto at that point. That point was Wednesday afternoon. I can't tell you what Scott, was, I mean, what uh, what Jed or um, Preller, who's a friend of his, I had in mind going forward. But that was the story then. I think Soto is going to get traded. I think Pete Alonso, the Mets, is going to get traded. I think the Cubs will be interested in talking about both. Uh, Christopher Morrell will be in either and both of those situations. If there is a trade to be made, uh, both teams, as they should, like him very much. Mike, in wrapping up the show, our 10th anniversary show, I have people to thank, including uh, you so much for being a great co-host. Alex, for doing a a great job producing the show today. Ben Finfer, Wayne Randazzo, Jordan Burnfield, Matt Spiegel, Chris Ranji, Espo, you, of course, and my great co-host right now, David Haw. Thank you so much for 10 years. Thanks to the great production people, the great support by Mitch Rosen, Ryan Porth, uh, all the people at the score who have supported me during these 10 years of joy talking to Chicago baseball fans about the Chicago teams. Hopefully we'll have 10 more, Espo. Absolutely, Bruce, and my thanks and everyone else's thanks to you for helping us learn more and enjoy this wonderful game of baseball that we all love so much. We certainly appreciate your work as always, and it's always great to be able to sit in with you. David uh, is off today. I'd be glad to sit in. Also wanted to remind everyone, the Chris Tannehill and Dave Wanstead will be out at Four Winds Casino, the Four Winds football forecast, live and in person at Four Winds Casino in New Buffalo. That is tomorrow from noon to 1.30 Eastern time. It's a free event. Go meet Wani, get an autograph and a photo with Coach. Hang out with him for the start of the NFL games, or you can book a room and make a weekend of it. The winning never stops at Four Winds Casino in New Buffalo, your entertainment escape. Our thanks to Bruce, our thanks to Wayne Randazzo, Matt Spiegel, And Barry Meister, our guest, thanks to Alex Kuhn for producing the show. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage is next right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.